Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from ilikehugh.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at ilikehugh.com. Now, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Hugh Virtual Chat. Well, it is finally a bright and sunny day and it's going to be warm. And just to see the sun, it has lifted so many different moods here in our city. So I'm going to open up the door now to our wonderful ladies to join us here for the Hue Virtual Chat. Let's get right down to it. Oh my goodness. Hello, Cynthia. Good to see you. Susie, yay! And oh, nice. Oh my goodness. Nice to see you again, Geraldine. Again. <laughs> I know, I know. And hello, Robin. Thank you. You're such a busy, busy person, but you know what? Um, I, you know what? I'm going to start with you. I always kind of let you stew and then, you know, like hit you with the big question. But, yeah, I need some, I need some help here. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. I, but I think it's okay. I think it's okay now. But over the weekend, uh, long story short, my husband hadn't been feeling well for a little over the week. He decided that he was going to go get a COVID test. Um, just to be safe and sure. Um, but it was that time, like, when he was going to get the test, when he came home, and then and we sat there, and it was all this what if, what if, what if. And the stress and anxiety in those 24 hours before we found out that he was negative, I cannot describe. And, you know, and it kind of has a lingering fact. You know, here, you know, it, it's a test negative, and yay, a, a weight has been lifted off your shoulders. Um, yeah. And then I want to introduce everybody to Geraldine. Hello, Linda. So good to see you. Um, Hi. It, um, it, it's kind of and sort of like the topic that I kind of want to talk about. Uh, Geraldine emailed me back and apologized, saying sorry or whatever last week. You know, I just wanted to let things marinate. You know, I just wasn't myself and everything like that. And I've seen posts where people just, they now literally say, sorry, either, you know, mentally I'm just not there or, you know, I just kind of let things slide. So are you seeing more of this, Robin, now? I mean, or... I, or is it just becoming more of a common thing with everybody? You know, and thank God today was sunny because I don't know. I think I would have gone ballistic if I woke up to another gray, cold, cloudy day and let alone have snow falling. Look, I, I think the accumulation has an impact on people. I think when this, this is my personal view, right? So mm -hmm. that's yeah. about what it's worth. That's the scientific evidence, me thinking what I think. Um, <laughs> I, I think when this all started, people were like, oh, a couple of months, we'll be good. <laughs> and then, you know, we were like hanging in there and hanging in there. And then Manitoba, we hit the big restrictions because things were going crazy. And everyone was like, well, I can dig it in here. I'm not doing great, but I can dig it in. I can see like the end We'll just hang in there. And uh, yeah, people weren't feeling great. I, um, I'm with you. I had the app tell me a few months ago in the middle of that second wave, you've hung out with someone. And I'm like, I haven't been anywhere. What the hell? <laughs> no, Who did yeah. a grocery store? I stood in line. Did the person behind me stand too close? Um, and that was... I think it was two days before Christmas. I was completely freaked um, because, you know, predominantly with my heart condition, mm -hmm. I'm dead. And I was like, oh. Um, and I think, I think, A, people are talking about it more because it, like, we're, like, lots of people are struggling with the ongoingness of this right mm -hmm. and yes we see vaccination but then we hit this and we're like who's the numb nuts hanging this is me who's the <laughs> idiots hanging out together who are those numb nuts like why can't they just stop it and then i'm like okay people are doing what they're doing to get through a tough situation 
and I have to remember that and I have mm -hmm. to have compassion that um like people may have different views on me and I I I think it's the fatigue of something going on and on and on and people are more prepared to talk about it because more people are saying I'm not okay mm -hmm. and I'm not having a great time and I need a break like truth be told or oh, I'm going to share um like on Sunday, I curled up on the couch and I was hysterical all day because I'm like, I don't know if I'll ever see my mum again, right? My mum's 85 this year. Will I ever mm. see her again? Will I ever get to touch the ground of my country again? Like, and I built a life where I travelled. I travelled between six and nine months a year for the last 20 years and all of a sudden, February 26th last year, it was like, and I got my energy from traveling and hiding in a hotel, but <laughs> like traveling and seeing people and my friends are across the world. And I created this world where I would go and see them once every year or two. I have no idea when I'm going to see my close friends again. I've moved to Winnipeg. I spent so much time working on my business. I didn't create close friends here. I have, like, I didn't create a network. And the other day, it completely overwhelmed me. And I was, like, the person I'm dating called me and I was just sobbing. And I was like, I work in mental health. Why can't I deal with this? What am I, and, and she said, like, you have created this life of movement and it stopped in a heartbeat and maybe if you allow yourself to feel like that you'll feel a bit better and i did right and i i you know it's still lingering there but but i think the more we talk about it the more we hear that other people are are struggling too and 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 being with each other and bearing witness and hearing each other out is the place that will hopefully get us all through this. And truth be told, some of us will not get through it, right? We have, we don't know what the statistics of people taking their life is, and we won't know that for a while, right? But I would say the isolation is um like for some people just not what they can get through so if we can reach out and bear witness to each other even when things are tough um and take self-preservation take some time for us when it's tough too and be unapologetic about it i need some time for me sunday i needed to cry on the couch for the day um but I can also share that and say, if that's where you're at, do what you need to do in that moment and stop trying to please other people because we can't keep trying to please other people. We have to put our own oxygen mask on first. See, there I rambled. How was that for you? <laughs> well, it kind of made me feel a little bit better, Robin. <laughs> I, yeah, wow, it's just, and I think, well, I, for me personally, it, I have a hard time saying no, or I have a hard time like, okay, I got to do this because I, you know, because somebody else needs this or, um, but uh, I want to like, yeah, share with everybody to meet Geraldine. And I mean, I, when I emailed you back and I mean, I, I love the word marinate. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean it in a non-alcoholic way, by the way. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Um, but I mean, first of all, I guess, Geraldine, share a little bit about what you do. And, you know, and I guess my question to you is, it is it okay? And, and I know Susie has always said it's okay to take time for yourself. But, you know, and, and her voice always pops in the back of my head. But it's that, can you do it? Or is that, you know, it's that moment when you kind of like, okay, I'm just not going to do it. And, mm -hmm. you know, you shed all of that, all of those other little voices or whatever, of the what ifs and, you know, what if I don't and I should and I should. Ugh, the shoulds. Yeah, I know. <laughs> We're shitting all over ourselves. And um, 
it's hi hi everybody <laughs> um i'm so pleased to be here thank you tracy for for responding so swiftly to to my email to you yesterday and i wasn't expecting to be here today but Yay. i'm really pleased so um i'm an executive coach and i have my own practice and i see clients one-on-one -on -one, uh predominantly women um i am also a coach with a woman in the states who was my mentor and my coach, and she runs a program called Great Big Journey. Her name is Steph Jagger, and uh, I run her. Pro I work with her on that program, um, and uh, I'm launching a couple of other programs, which I might tell you about later. And one that caught your eye, uh, Tracy, called In the Clearing, Creating Space for Women's Intuition. So, um, but it's so interesting, Robin. You pretty much nailed everything that could be said about the state of how we're all feeling these days, right? Um, and and the, the notion of, of self-care and stepping back. And um, I think that was a post I made recently, Tracy, which caught your eye. And it's, I think even more than allowing ourselves permission self-care, it's not allowing self-abandonment. Um, not to give over of ourselves when there's no gas in the tank and um, to know what those things are that replenish us and refuel us. And there's so much energy movement happening in the world, so much polarity, and that creates all kinds of um, reactions and emotions and intensities and whatnot all. And we like, we're so polarized about everything and i think we won't know as you know what robin was talking about earlier i don't think we're going to know the impact of this time for each each of us until sometime down the road when you know we can see things 2020 so the importance and the value of what i coach with clients about is can you slow down what if you just slowed down, moved slower, um, moved more quietly, um, dropped some things off the plate. Um, you know, to borrow um, a well-said phrase from Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed, be prepared to disappoint as many people as it takes so that you don't disappoint yourself. Um, and I think, you know, for, for some of us, for women especially, maybe, maybe not, I'm not sure, but there's this mentality that we can't disappoint, that, that, that somehow that that's wrong to disappoint other people, that, that you're here to live up to everyone's expectations of you. And I, I think that's a messed up message. <laughs> and think, I think that's one we can afford to shed, you know? And so kindness, compassion to self, setting boundaries internally with self, you know, that um, self-loathing and shooting all over myself is, that's a boundary I set with myself for myself. Mm -hmm. So all kinds of big ideas there as a, as a first contribution to this conversation. <laughs> and those are my initial thoughts. Well, well, you're right. And uh, sure enough, Robin Priest has a free course that you can take, <laughs> getting rid of the shoulds. Go to robinpriestliveyourtruth.com. <laughs> That's just an unpaid announcement. No. <laughs> it's free. It's, it's not like free. if it was an advertisement for a course, like I'd get it. But it's a free course. It's, oh. uh, it's there's Peer Connections, Manitoba, um, get some money for government for some family peer support and we developed that course but I think it relates to anyone and if we have enough then we'll run it more often right so oh. come and play ah yeah that that's Thanks definitely for the plug. you're welcome um and I'm going to throw this out there. Maybe, you know, Susie and, and Linda and hi Susan, good to see you and hi Kirsten too. Um, oh Geraldine you said women I guess have this in them that they don't want to disappoint. My question to everyone is that maybe a cultural thing? Because I know, <laughs> and Geraldine's nodding her head, yes, because I know in 
in the Japanese uh, culture, you know, women are there to serve their men. And uh, that is, you know, an in, innate kind of thing in our culture. Um, Susie, I think it's pretty much so in the Filipino community too as well. And, and you know, and even if we go to the Eastern Europeans, you know, communities too as, as, as well. Um, but, you know, and I guess I don't know what my question would be, but how much does that sway too when you're trying to get rid of that, you know, you're not mm -hmm. there to serve, uh, you know, you're, it's, you're allowed to be disappointed or disappoint people. There's a, there's a way of thinking that goes beyond just our life. I mean, that is, it's patriarchal, that goes back millennia. Mm -hmm. It will, you know, I, I see, I'm witnessing a whole language among women right now who are taking that back and actively working towards breaking down patriarchal barriers, we can see systems are breaking down. So it's a process for sure, um, but those are conversations that are happening. And so we start questioning, that's the belief that you grew up with, is it your belief? Mm -hmm. Is it yours? Or is it one that was put upon you and can that be peeled away? I mean, we build up all these beliefs, you know, all our lives by by things that we absorb or are taught or sometimes are forced upon us a little bit more coercively. But um, you know, and that's that can be part of part of a coaching experience is to peel away those things that actually don't belong to you. They're not your beliefs. They're not your truths. Oh, okay. So what is your truth? What is your belief? Wow, interesting. And where do you want to take it? Mm -hmm. and, and, and how will that inform how you move forward, right? Wow. Linda, oh, it's so good to see you. Um, you know, going on beliefs, and you've talked about beliefs and, and creating your new ones. Um, how important is it now to create uh, your own beliefs and possibly your own personality? Uh, in this world now where there's just so much, so much information and so much to do and take in? Love that question. Hi, everyone. Uh, nice to see you, Geraldine. We met briefly before, um, and I've, I'm really enjoying this conversation. I, I was just writing about creating beliefs um, this morning, I believe it was my post, and I was talking about creating beliefs around death because my mother passed away uh, just very recently within the last two weeks and I am at the point of trying to create ritual and meaning out of a funeral process that we are now being denied and so my sisters and I and my children are um, very actively creating new rituals at, to ground us, to, to, um, to experience this loss in a meaningful way that, um, that gives me some strength. So one of the things that I was writing about today that I was so happy resonated with so many people was I was writing about this moment, my kids and I went to the cemetery before the viewing for my mom. And we happened to see two geese flying overhead. And my daughter, Lucy, said, hey, there's Grandma and Papa. And it was just this lovely moment. And it really sunk into me. Like, it was really meaningful um, to see this beautiful essence of spirit and to have to go to the viewing later that night and confront the reality of death. And it was so lovely to read people's comments saying, I see my mother in a butterfly. I see my uh, my stepfather in a rainbow. I see my uh, my grandmother in a cardinal. It was this outpouring of so many people who have these beliefs, and they are created beliefs. They are, and beliefs are really, as Geraldine was saying, they're optional. We get to choose our beliefs. We get to choose. Uh, because beliefs are really just thoughts we tell ourselves over and over again. And as Geraldine was saying, some of those thoughts are implanted from the patriarchy, from, 
you know, many years and they're not something that we would actively choose. But some thoughts are ones that we've had ourselves um, that we've chosen that no longer serve us, that don't give us strength, that don't uh, give us freedom or um, opportunities to move forward into our futures. So, um, at, you know, Geraldine and I both work in coaching and Susan as well. And, um, and really at the core of it is you are holding space for your client's beliefs. And if you came to me with a, you know, a goal or a dream that you have that you want to fulfill, but you don't quite believe it yet, I believe it for you. I believe that that you can do it and I help you create the thoughts that are going to catch you up to that dream, that that future self and and meeting that future self. So, um, yeah, that belief, um, belief in in your possibilities and in your future self, I think, is something that is we have to actively work on right now because we are so tied into the realities that have been constricted. So we are all feeling this constriction, this smallness, this, uh, you know, we, we, this lack of movement and it is affecting our mental health. And Robin, um, so many of us have been on the couch, <laughs> bawling our eyes out on a Sunday afternoon. It's always those Sunday afternoons <laughs> Douglas Adam, Adams had the best quote about that. It was the long, dark tea time of the soul. <laughs> and it gets us. So um, I, I have to say, for me, what has helped me is exactly what you were saying, Geraldine, slowing down, stripping away anything that is superfluous, anything unnecessary. Get it, When I'm in that state of either grief or or just uh, just that kind of despair, just getting yourself fed, just getting yourself to move your body so those emotions can go through your body. You know, we, we're, we're so, um, when we get in this state, we, we tense up, we're stressed, we're, we, we move in. And to be able to move your body in a gentle, heart-opening way can be so helpful in those moments. Wow. So, Thank you, Krista. Oh, and I can also say hot yoga also helps too. Exactly. <laughs> and, and thank God they haven't closed down because, well, if they do, there's going to be one ballistic person. <laughs> no. Do you know that when, when, um, when my mom started to fail, this was like uh, about three weeks ago, and I knew where we were heading, I immediately started a 30-day yoga practice at home. I knew that I would need something to move that grief through my body. And I'm a big believer in, in yoga for doing that. Oh, so. Well, good. Well, I'm going to go to Cynthia, who now is like sipping her coffee, because I'm reading a, a couple. I get to see all your comments now, so I feel like I'm in your chat. Thank you, Grim. Um, so... Cynthia, of all of the people here, you, I, and, I don't know, and I say this honestly, have probably done the most self-exploring, um, looking at your beliefs, changing your beliefs, and choosing the ones that are authentically yours, you know, not only through your whole personal journey, but even now because you've transplanted yourself to the UK, uh, you're not at home to speak, but Certainly, it was your intention to be traveling. Um, but, um, and then you've done this whole other comment on your favorite season. Yeah. Yeah, my favorite season, the fall of the patriarchy. And I, I, I say that somewhat with jest because it's true. But the reality is that a lot of people misconstrue the idea of the patriarchy being men. It's a male system. And the fact, it's a system, and men are victims of it. That's where we see toxic masculinity comes from. That's where, which is an aspect of the alpha male society that creates that toxicity within men. Um, and the reality is, is that society doesn't teach women 
the same things that they teach men. And of course, that's, if you will, my superpower is that I've seen life from both sides of the gender coin. And so therefore, I can see all perspectives um, from both eyes of the gender. And of course, my whole raison d'etre is to bring acceptance to everyone and in teaching that help women learn you know what i had 50 years of exposure to in order to empower them to better their lives and that whole cycle is realizing that these systems don't work anymore we're seeing that clearly you know geraldine spoke to it and the whole idea is the, the realization that we need to start figuring out different ways to flip this. And, you know, I even go back to, because when you have that kind of talk, when we start using those words, you know, very much it kind of falls into quote a feminist kind of role. And I like to suggest that, you know, that we're moving beyond feminism 3.0 and I won't unpack the history, but the realization is, I think we're really moving into this space where, you know, gosh, if we don't realize that Mother Earth is the most critical feminist issue on this planet that we have to deal with, then everything else is kind of secondary. And so this whole idea of coming out, starting to reconstruct, deconstruct and reconstruct new systems to reprioritize, not only based upon gender, but based upon, again, and it's not about equality. None of this is, it's all about equity because everything is not about making it equal. That doesn't work. The oppressed are still oppressed at the same level. You need equity in order to uplift others. And when they're truly uplifted, you can achieve equality. And that, that's why we need to move it around. So yeah, so my favorite season is the fall of the patriarchy because, well, it just doesn't work anymore. <laughs> Are you going to run for, um, what is it? Oh, it's a prime minister, isn't it, there, over there, too? Yes, I think you should. Uh, you'll get all of our votes, but I don't think our votes will count. But my yeah. goodness, or come back here and please run for premier, okay? Or, yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, you make it sound so simple. Uh, and, and thank you, it's because not. you kind of, but it's not, it's not simple. Uh, no. But, you know, I think the more that we talk about it, I think, obviously, more people are going to start to listen and mm -hmm. realize that there is very, very big truth into all of what you said. Uh, I'm going to go to Susie now. Susie, I love the glasses. Makes you look like Superwoman with superpowers. <laughs> I don't know about that, but. <laughs> well, and, you know, and we're talking about beliefs and everything like that. And it was interesting because. Uh, and when Geraldine said that, you know, people have beliefs and they're, when you ask them, I don't think they're truly your beliefs. You're just saying that or you think that you believe in them. Haha, -ha, the naysayers against vaccines, that vaccines are bad and everything like that. And, and now when you look at what we're in, I'm wondering, can those people change their beliefs then against things like that? Or is that pretty... Uh, that's the thing, right, is that beliefs aren't necessarily facts, right? And sometimes we're conditioned to believe something um, because we're scared or because there's fear there or there's um, structures in place, like Cynthia said, you know, and, and beliefs can be moved. They can be changed with new information, with, you know, a change of heart or whatever it might be, right? And um, a couple of things to unpack from what, uh, what Geraldine and Cynthia were talking about is that um, I did something in the last uh, the last couple of weeks where I had to do something for myself, for my mental health, and it was a very challenging thing to do, and um, not something that conventionally society would say it was okay to do. You know, it was a big risk and a big leap, but it was such that my my mental health has been um, not good since January. You know, kind of thing. I'm sure if you see me on Instagram, I post all the time about how my walks like literally saved my life because it's the only time that I get to be with myself and just with my thoughts and my podcast. You know, like marching on. And um, I had to take this step, and I, I don't consider it brave per se, but it was brave in the sense that you know when you say you're scared about disappointing other people, right? Mm -hmm. So when we, if we unpack that for a little bit, we talk about disappointing other people. What that means is that 
we have internalized what other people believe or think about us. Susie is reliable. Tracy is, you know, someone I can depend on. Uh, Cynthia is always going to be there for me when I need her and I can give her any job and she'll get it done. All of those things, right? And the thing about, you know, taking back our power and um, doing things for ourselves that are, I don't like to use the word selfish, but in this context, it's selfish, is that when you do something for yourself, whether it's to save your physical health, your mental health, your financial health, whatever that might be, other people might look at that and think it's selfish. But what is the what is selfish about doing something to save yourself right like robin mentioned putting on your oxygen mask first right am i selfish if i put my oxygen mask on first before putting on yours like that's not considered selfish that's considered life-saving that's considered absolutely fundamental to your existence right so I think we need to reframe how we look at these things and that doing something for yourself, whether it's saying no to a committee, turning down um, you know, some, a volunteer opportunity or any kind of commitment, no is a full sentence. And we don't owe people explanations for how we make decisions about our lives. That is something that's very female, I think, is the, is the, um, the idea that we have to explain, we have to compensate, we have to you know, apologize. No. I'm not doing that anymore. And I'm doing that because I don't want my kids, especially my daughter, to see me internalize that patriarchy and to make excuses for what I need to do for myself. Now, this has this is not about not being compassionate. This is not about not being a good friend or not being a good mother or wife or partner, whatever you want to look at it. But there has to be an understanding that women need to do what we need to do for ourselves sometimes without any explanation. And we're not allowed that opportunity. We are not allowed that grace. And you are seeing that right now with anti-maskers, anti-maskers. That is a completely patriarchal thing, all wrapped up in a whole bunch of other isms and things like that. Suddenly, we're under the, the uh, evidence that men don't like being told what to do with their body. Well, how strange is that when women have had to live with being told to what to do with our bodies, how to dress it, how to undress it, how to cover it up, how to breastfeed, how to look on a beach, how to not look on a beach, you don't even belong on a beach. All of this bullshit. <laughs> and there's so much bullshit wrapped up in that, right? So... But bullshit is patriarchy. So what, what else is new? It's just another Tuesday. <laughs> um, but to go back to what Cynthia was saying, I posted on my Facebook this week, and I'll share it with the Hugh group. There was an absolutely fantastic podcast I listened to last week by Laverne Cox, and she had a guest on. And she talked about, um, you know, what this, uh, what this patriarchal society means in terms of, you know, how we look at what's feminine and what's masculine and gender binary. And it asked us to look past the gender binary, binary, pardon me. And one of the things that was so important about this, so one of the most educational and informal, informative podcasts to lay bare how the feminine has been tied to reproduction to enforce patriarchy. And this is from my post. Please be brave and open enough to listen and learn. This human experience that we share is wide, varied, and daring to be so vulnerable and beautiful. So in this podcast description, Alok Vaid Manon, simply known as Alok, joins Laverne for an inside perspective on what it means to live in a world as a person who does not belong on either side of the traditional gender binary meaning strictly male or female. Alok, who uses the pronouns they and them, is a gender non-conforming writer and performance artist. As a mixed media artist, Alok explores themes of gender, race, trauma, belonging, and the human condition. They are the author of Femme in Public and Beyond the Gender Binary. And in 2019, they were honored as one of NBC's Pride 50 and Out Magazine's Out 100. They have presented their work in more than 40 countries. This podcast was so amazing. I'm going to share it with you all in our on our page there, because what it talks about is that once we take away the reproductive factor from what femininity is tied to, that liberates us all from patriarchy. Because what the feminine means and what embracing that non non-binary um, experience means is that we are all capable of empowering ourselves again through that equity that Cynthia talked about, and only then can we have equality. I'll stop now before I start. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how anybody can see a lot of hands waving, a lot of hearts. Uh, wow. So you, okay, I'll say one more thing. Yeah. Um, if you if you are trapped in the in the belief that there is a gender binary and that biology means this and biology means that, 
science is showing us every single day that that's absolutely not true, right? And that is not just a belief, that's scientific fact. And as we get more and more um, uh, able to explore what that means in a genetic level, it brings us back to one fundamental conclusion. We are all human beings. And mm -hmm. what do I say every single day? Every single human being deserves to be treated with dignity and respect. What's between your legs is not as important as what's between your ears. Use your brain, use your head, and use your heart. And she drops the mic. But, it, you know, and, and maybe is it true then, um, you know, and Cynthia, please join in and all the other ladies too. As And Robin, um, we are, I think we are growing to be towards more acceptance without understanding, mm. I, I, I think. Um, I, you know, we want to embrace everybody. And like Susie, yeah, you so eloquently put it, if you take away what's between our legs, that defines us, that we are definitely human beings. And we've been saying that all along, even through all of this, you know, racism and everything like that. And I mean, Susie, I want to ask you, sorry, I'm going off topic. Did you see that horrific video of that poor boy in, I believe it was Alberta, uh, beaten up, just chased down. He's going to catch his bus after school, and the group of kids ganged up on him and beat him up. Con he had concussion. He was, uh, he's 13 years old. Um, you know, so we you know as we're talking about this whole mental. Pardon? I didn't see it. I, I oh. thank goodness I didn't see it. But what was it motivated by? Uh, race. Mm. It's a racial um, incident. And, but the video was absolutely horrific. And these are 13, 12, whatever year olds. Um, and, you know, and this all kind of spills into, right, beliefs. And, yeah. and you know, you don't want to say anything because we don't know, of course, but to see an act of violence and that vile on a young child uh, it, to me and you know where where are we heading and and I think you know it, this is whole conversation of um, human beings and how how we're treating each other regardless of male female or whatever gender and I mean it's it comes just down to being your own human rights but um, anyways yeah Cynthia you're you're kind of comment now on the whole you know and you can go with globally because you're in the UK yeah um, I mean that's that case of Alberta that's just I'm not even gonna say it's shocking anymore it's just so sad mm -hmm. um, the idea of acceptance is not what's between your legs it's what's between your ears that's where it lives and that's what I've encountered. I mean, just um, yesterday, I had my first encounter here in the UK of not having acceptance. Um, and it was really interesting, the response, because my first response was I shrank. I shrank from, you know, and it was microaggression. It was done through an attempt at humor. But obviously, I'm so aware and spent five years now understanding many, many nuances that it was very clear to me. And I still had people who are close to me going, I don't get it. And so I'm having to explain all the levels. And that's why it's between your ears. And so it's about raising our consciousness and our awareness. And if, if the values and beliefs and behaviors that you are working on are the ones that were given to you, which most of us are shaped into who we are through eight years old. And then we kind of mature into kind of making a lot of that. And so if you go back, you literally have to go back and unpack and go, why do I think that? Is that my thought? Did somebody give it to me? Do I still agree to it? And if, if not, what is my thought about that? Or what is my behavior or so forth? Um, and yeah, this is the, the hard work that you need to do on yourself as you move through this process. And in every society, they, they have kind of, um, and I've shared before here, so I'm not going to unpack it, but 
you know, different experiences with the depth of what is between their ears. And to many, it's like you go on and live your life and that, and it has no bearing on a number of cultural factors. I think of the nine months, nine months that I was living in South America, heavily Catholic country um, or countries, but they kind of went, you do you and do us. And as long as you aren't impacting us, we really don't care. Um, and I think part of it was because I was obviously seen as a foreigner in those settings, but the reality Cynthia, is- can I bring up something about that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Your experience in Chile. One of the things that a lot talks about and um, something I was uh, reading about too, and, and I, I knew this just from my mother's experience is that in a lot of, um, before colonization, uh, indigenous peoples, Asian peoples, Southeast Asian peoples, there were a lot of people where uh, the gender binary did not exist. So it was just a spectrum of which, and our, our, um, our indigenous people know this too. So that type of experience is not unusual for them. They have seen that their whole lives. They have family members who, you know, express themselves in whatever way they feel comfortable. And that to me, again, that goes back to that patriarchal and colonialism binary that everybody seems to be uh, caught up in and that we're trying to break free from. But it's only in the last, you know, uh, 400 years or so that we've been forced to fit into that construct because these things did not exist before. In a lot of those um, native uh, in, uh, cultures, the words don't exist for just two. There is a spectrum of language that you can use to describe someone's expression, right? So it's not surprising to me that you would not have experienced that type of, um, you know, side eye or questioning because to them, totally lived lived with that and experienced that and are not just accepting of it, but it's just like, yeah, that's fine. That's just the way she is. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I mean, there's some brilliant teaching from Two-Spirited Manitoba that, right, that um, teaches that where you go back and in some of the, the simplest um, indigenous languages, 5,000 years ago, they had at least five different words to talk about that gender spectrum. The more advanced languages had seven different words to talk about that spectrum. And, and Susie's right, is this whole idea of the patriarchal system because before many were matriarchal systems that were overthrown by colonization to become patriarchal systems and to fit into the gender binary that fit the story that was being told. Um, I, I get very upset at the intensity of the arrogance that people have of thinking that the last 400 years defines everything we are and do. You know, I have to jump in here yeah. because this conversation um, is so timely. You know, hearing about uh, uh, the beliefs and um, what people, their values. And first of all, Cynthia, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. I have thought of you so often when I work with families um, who are working on supporting somebody that struggles with mental health and the accept acceptance piece is not there and so many little taglines i've uh, i've learned from you so i, I absolutely love uh, everything you're doing um so i'm in the position that i'm supporting uh, an adult daughter who's been in a relationship for someone with someone for some time um and in his family um there are set beliefs that are, um, you know, the, you know, the household enjoys that patriarchal um, idea. And uh, they went to the rally to support the vaccines and no masks, right? And uh, they have some very, very strong beliefs that are very different to what we stand for in our home. And what I've learned from that is um, in supporting my daughter to, to understand and to work through some of the conversations that come up, that in this family, not only are these beliefs forced upon uh, from a very young age, if you step outside them, there is no place in, in the family for you. It doesn't work. And it shocks me. It absolutely shocks me. Um, and I never really thought about that when I think about 
um, you know, I'll be careful of what I say, but when I think about, you know, how my values and beliefs don't line up with other households. Um, but what do you do when um, it doesn't work and you no longer uh, you no longer have a place in a family if you step outside of those beliefs? And um, to shed, um, Geraldine was saying, to shed those layers of actually owning your own truth and standing up for your own beliefs and, and being okay with that, um, it actually comes, it actually is learned that it's easier to hide those and bury those, um, although you still have them. Um, I, I just find the whole thing fascinating. And this conversation um, could not be more timely. So I, uh, I'm learning a lot and um, I'm learning the flip side of that coin uh, where, um, you know, I have a low tolerance for, for arrogance. And, you know, one of my daughters was uh, president of the Gay Straight Alliance at her high school and did wonderful things. And she has the tagline that I had to actually come out in high school that I was straight because with everything I was involved with, everybody just, because she tells a comical story about, I had to sit my folks down and say, listen, I'm sorry, but, um, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm straight. Um, so uh, anyways, I'm rambling, but I, I just wanted to share uh, something that we're, I'm working on in supporting my daughter with a better understanding of a family that lacks that understanding. Okay, crazy. You know, Kirsten, I, it makes me think when I'm hearing your, your response to Cynthia and, and uh, one thing that I teach and had to teach myself was the idea of boundaries and setting the boundaries. You know, we talked about this whole call, you know, like Susie, you were talking about, you know, you had to do something that disappointed others. And can you do that? We have the mistaken notion that setting a boundary is going to feel good. And at first, a boundary feels awful. Like when you are setting a boundary and the, the understanding is you're setting a boundary for yourself, not to get other people to change, but you're setting a boundary for your own limitations and your own, like, this is what we do. Like what you were saying, Kirsten, this is what we do in our family, but setting a boundary, uh, you know, in my experience, I have felt like throwing up. I have felt like shaky. I feel like the earth is going to swallow me whole when I've said no to someone in my family that they weren't used to hearing no from me. You know, it was it it was a really scary experience. Yes, and that's something that to be more open about when we talk to people, we sometimes say to people, well, set a boundary, you know, like just just say no. And it's like that that one moment of saying no, you can feel like you are going to die. Like because it is, um, as you were saying, Kristen, in some families, saying no and saying like, no, I'm not gonna go along with the what the family uh myths and the family story is you can be cast out of the tribe. You can be uh, uh, shunned. And we are designed as humans to uh, create connection. And that's where our safety comes from. So setting a boundary can make us feel very unsafe, even though we're heading in the direction of personal safety. At first, it can feel so disorienting. So it's something that I think is, it does require support of other people. Robin, I'm sure, you know, like the peer support must speak to this and this, you know, doing this together. It's not something you can do alone. You know, you need support of other people. Question, oh, I, I just have a question to you, Kirsten. And I don't know, I'm just hearing about everything and it just popped to my head. Had this pandemic, COVID, isolation, whatever we're living in, had this not happened, would your daughter have ever found out about these other family beliefs of her boyfriend? Or would they, I, I assume they probably would have manifested them in, in some other way, shape or form. I don't know. She's laughing. Well, I think certainly some of the um, strong beliefs, um, uh, yeah, certainly some of them, but to the degree where it involves um, you know, vaccines, masks, and perhaps someone named Trump. Mm -hmm. 
I don't, I don't think if all those things weren't existing, maybe the uh, maybe we would not have it wouldn't have been so highlighted. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you know what I have learned that comes out of that when um, you know adult children within families are 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 struggling to take stance or feel they they aren't supported they they can't take a stance. Um, you know what comes out of that that I've learned is a culture of lying, mm. um, a culture of uh, untruths, and a culture of uh, untruths to survive. And uh, in our own family, um, uh, that's that's on the top three of what we don't do, right? Mm. So um, so it, it's it's been really interesting. I'll keep you all posted on where that goes. <laughs> but it's been very interesting. Yeah. Kirsten, to to um, to build upon what you're saying there, I look at that so from the perspective of of a mother, right? As you say, like I cannot imagine my child having a completely other existence that I don't know about because they don't feel safe to let me in on what that experience is. That is anathema to why I became a mother. Like, that's not what I was put here to do. That's not why I decided to have children. I want to know my children fully and embrace who they are and celebrate who they are and who they decide to be with. All of those things are very important to me. And that that comes from a place of, again, understanding that truth is paramount and that whatever your truth is, I accept and celebrate that and love you no matter what that is. And to know that there are parents out there and families that don't know who these beloved people are in their lives, I I can't, I can't understand it. I can't understand it at all. And it makes me so sad and it makes me so, um, it, it makes me feel such a longing for that connection because that connection, especially between mother and child, should always be there. And, you know, as I was watching, um, there was a great uh, series on um, UK talking about the AIDS epidemic of the 80s and um, told from the perspective of young people who were going through it. And these young people are living in London, in, in the city and living their lives and being fully out. But when they go home, they can't. They, they go back into the closet, you know, as it were, and their families don't know who they are and are shocked when some of them are diagnosed with AIDS, right? And I thought to myself, like, you, you had your whole life, you had this beautiful child, but you didn't want to know. You didn't want to know them. All you wanted was this, this imaginary thing that you'd created and, and had to live by because of the expectations of others. And because of that, you sacrificed knowing your child, loving your child. I can't understand it and I, I and I won't live that way and I pity those who do because you're missing out on the fullness of love and the fullness of really knowing somebody who they are and what they're about and all the joy that they bring to others in the world. Yeah. What, what, oh, and, what that's, and that's it, right? That's what it's all about. The actual, the actual connection, the bond between a parent and a child, the unconditional love that exists mm-hmm. and, and to actually um, think that, and I'm trying so hard to, I keep going back to Cynthia, I'm trying so hard to um, um, not be too judgmental, to, to have some level of understanding. I really, really am. And I'm, trust me, I am not a judgmental person. Um, however, um, the things that come up, you know, I just don't, I just don't understand because the, the fear that that a parent like that must live in, the constant fear and angst and uh, anxiety and um, that they must live in that, you know, um, an adult child could step outside a certain line. And if they did that, then, um, you know, I, I yeah, I'm, I'm rambling. Again. But no, I don't relate at all. And, uh, and I, think, I think that love, that love at its core, is about truth and about light and about standing in your truth and standing in your light and saying, whatever is there, I love you and I embrace you fully. And Robin, I can see you nodding and I I know you have something to add, so I will wrap it up. But that to me is the essence of what parenthood should be. And if I, if a parent can't love their child fully and completely, how does that child ever expect anybody else to? So when we, when I think about what we put out into the world, when we raise people who don't understand that a parent's love is unconditional, what is that building out there? And instead of building what we have, imagine if we built a world full of people who understand that they are enough 
that they are accepted, that they are celebrated, and now they want to build a world for others that is the same. Absolutely. Um, it, it, it is one of those hard things, right? Like my mom will continually say, if my sister who died before I was born didn't die, I wouldn't be here. And she wanted the girl and she wanted the girl to grow up and get married and have babies. And, you know, first off, I came out as lesbian and she wasn't so cool, but kind of come around. And then a few years ago when I said, look, I'm in the wrong body. I'm not going to change this one at the moment. I just want you to get like, this is how I am. And my mum said to me, don't bring any of that weirdness home. And it's, you know, I've had conversations, right? Because like my work name is Robin. My friends call me Rob and she's like, your name's Robin. I named you Robin and you're a girl. And it's like, I said to her at one point, like, isn't the ultimate aim of a parent just to love their kid for who they are? Like who they are. And she goes, yes, but you're my daughter. And so... There's times where I super struggle with that, right? And there's times I get mad and I'm like, I'm me, I'm the same person. I'm exactly the same person that you birthed and like I grew up and I have the same kind of way of being and I spend my life working with people to live their truth, to actually be able to go, this is me. Um, and there's other times I sit and go, yeah, she grew up in a different time, right? Do I give her... So there's a place where I have compassion for her in that space. And there's, a, there's times I'm like angry with her and I'm like, can't you just love me for who I am? And she goes, I do, but don't wear those clothes or why is your hair like that or... And, and so it's, you know, as a, as a kid of a parent doing that, like I implore all parents just to love your kids no matter what, because they're all amazing and perfect human beings. No matter what they do, they're amazing human beings. And okay, maybe they don't do exactly what you want, but they're still your kids. And even if someone does something that's not great, like, and there's generally reasons for what happens and just explore, like, why and who that person is and what's happened and maybe they've had trauma and dealt with it in a certain way or whatever. But if you can just love unconditionally, and that's hard too, Kirsten, right? Because you've got any maskers, any vaccine people out there and, and we make judgments about them and I don't know their story and so I try and sit in a place of I don't know their story that led them to where they are, they are and so like the piece that I try and teach when I'm training peer workers if we can just be and be passionately curious about who that person is then we have a better shot of, of being able to sit with people wherever they are, even if we don't understand it. As Cynthia always says, sometimes we just accept without understanding that people have a viewpoint that maybe isn't ours. <laughs> I love that, Susie, radical compassion. Mm -hmm. So that's all I've got to say. That's my two cents worth. Oh, more than two cents, Robin. And uh, so, yeah, I can call you Rob now. <laughs> uh, I was going to actually go to Geraldine with all of this, too. And, and, you know, spilling on what Kirsten and I mean, uh, of course, Susie, as you know, unconditional love is what all parents should have. But how do you come to grips and with your own personal truth if it means that you could be shunned by your family? or you're going to lose that personal relationship with yeah. the person you love. Um, 
They all say I, religion, I know religion people. and <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know people very, very close to me who have experienced being shunned. And um, I come from a background where, a religious background where that happened. And, um, you know, Lisa Remini has a whole show about that. Um, and the cost is huge. And that fear of abandonment that sustains mm -hmm. um, is one that leaves a deep scar that requires a lifelong of awareness, work, compassion, love, you know, melting and rebuilding. Um, and Susie, um, the word that came to mind when, when you were speaking um, the first time was something I didn't write all the notes, but the assumptions that we make about other people. And Rob, you mentioned that as well. You know, it comes down to the assumptions. You don't know their story. And those assumptions that we make about other people are the things that invariably lead us into hot water. Uh, and, and we corner ourselves in the process. And, and then we, you know, often try and defend ourselves in that corner. <laughs> but I, I think it's, it's being curious about, I mean, as coaches, we all know that word, you know, it's, it's our, it's our mantra, be curious, um, and, and lean away from those assumptions. That doesn't answer your question about how do you, how do you navigate, how do you navigate being shut away from someone? I think we all have in our lives, some, if we've been, if any of us are divorced, uh, if any of us have left a marriage, um, there have been people who've fallen away, who, who we've lost, friends that we've lost along the way. And I, and I think it happens to all of us in one way or another, but to others it happens in an extreme form that I'm not personally familiar with. But it's, um, it, it, it requires love, really. You know, that's, that's what it requires. Wow. So many things to think about. My goodness. Oh, wow. Um, that was a circuitous conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but wow. you know what? I mean, now more than ever, right? It's the time to kind of reevaluate and, and take stock. And, and I wanna ha I'm, I'm going to want to continue this conversation next week because I'm curious, too, because I'm meeting so many incredible women, and they are coaches. I mean, it's Linda every day is, is such a beauty thing and you know you introduced us to Susan unfortunately she had to go to a meeting and now Geraldine um, and besides I have my my peer support workers you know on, on the other on the right hand column yes so I know <laughs> I'm getting to know so much about mental health and Susie and, and Cynthia have been sort of my rocks you know um, and they have so much more information so yeah I you know now if you're reevaluating what kind of coaching do you look for um, and then there's so many things out there, right? And whether it's business, if it's life, or if it's, you know, um, you know, doing something more than what you are. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I've kind of done a lot of deeper thinking, which normally I don't, and sort of was the beginning of this conversation being in such a funk and, and you know, wanting to just let things slide instead of being the person that everybody depends on. And I think, you know, I think a lot of women and men are in the same boat. Mm -hmm. And uh, going way back to Cynthia's comment, you know, it's not what's between our legs that defines us, it's what's between our ears. And I think having more conversations like this definitely helps because then we get to know more about each other, right, Robin? And then there's no assumptions made. <laughs> and we definitely want to follow Kirsten's little story here. Um, yeah, because it'll, it'll, you know, certainly a lot of us can learn from what you're going through too, Kirsten. But I guess, you know, I, my biggest question is, um, what, what, where are we all going to be? <laughs> like, when we're not looking at each other on a little screen. Anybody? I'm going to be hugging everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I know. You, know, you mean after COVID? Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. oh. I, I'm going to be the, the hug monster. Monster. I'm going to be like random people in the street. <laughs> Hello. 
<laughs> Would you like a hug? <laughs> I'll be don't. joining you. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be wearing heels. Whatever I'm doing, I'm going to get out of my tights and sweats and have on heels. <laughs> oh, sorry. That was a bit like wrong, wasn't it? To kill me for doing that. I got excited. Oh. But anyways, it's been uh, it's been so wonderful, and you know what, Cynthia? Thank you so much for joining us. It's you know you uh, you bring such a a beautiful perspective for us women. Well, <laughs> for, you're welcome. Yes. Okay. Well, everybody, go out and enjoy the sunshine. Um, soak in those uh, vitamin D rays. I I totally uh, approve of it. It's got my stamp of approval. Might be adding another little glass of wine with that too at the end of the day. That's that always helps, <laughs> and that's what I want to do. I want to have you all here. Susie's been to our backyard for a nice glass of wine, and sh you know maybe do a little taping of the Hue virtual chat, but not virtual Hue inversion. So in person. Thank you so much, Geraldine. You're part of the crew. Feel free, yeah. join in every Thank Tuesday. You. Next Tuesday we're going to go a little bit earlier at 11:15 if that's okay with everybody. And uh, personal and executive coaching, what does that mean? And you have to come back, Geraldine. <laughs> we got Linda on. <laughs> so come, come with all of your experience and knowledge and all of the different courses, because my goodness, I didn't realize we were that complicated and needed that much help. <laughs> complicated. Complicated. Oh, good. All right, have a beautiful Tuesday, ladies. And Thanks, Robin. everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Cynthia. Whatever. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. See ya. You're welcome. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye, Cynthia. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of ilikehugh.com. Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Come on a journey like no other, where you will discover many roads that will lead you to a happier, healthier, and more stress-free life. And the beauty is, you don't need any vacation time for this adventure. The journey will come to you. Join Avery Rich on your very own journey into yoga. Along the way, she will demystify yoga poses and guide you into a yoga posture or short sequence, all in less than 15 minutes. You have nothing to lose but stress. The Journey Into Yoga podcast. It's not for people who like yoga. It's for people who don't like yoga. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at AveryRich.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.